Hi, welcome to episode 31 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. In this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gallo and I discuss the reasons that financial markets have quickly shifted to a high volatility regime before taking a stab at why the FX market isn't yet showing the same uptick in realized and implied volatility. The title of this episode is Vol Spike with FX Pending. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. Okay, it's January 25th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to Global Exchanges. Greg, why don't we begin the discussion by doing something we often do as FX market participants, and that's look at other asset classes. So what I mean by that is when we look at the VIX volatility index, essentially S&P 500 volatility, we see that since the start of the year, it has basically doubled. Uh, And portions of the US equity market are down 10% or so since the beginning of the month, so verging on technical correction territory. Then when we look at the year-to-date range in the yield on the two-year Treasury note, we see a 35 basis point difference between the low and the high. Oil is up around 15% year-to-date. Natural gas price volatility has remained high, albeit lower than it was in December. And then when we come to FX, we see the BBDXY basically flat. Euro dollar is basically flat. Dollar CAD is flat. Dollar yen, the biggest mover in G10 year to date, and that pair is down only by a percentage point or so. So Greg, over to you. What do you make of this? Well, It sure looks like we'll have an interesting 2022 in financial markets. It is a bit strange that FX hasn't transitioned over to a high volatility regime like other macro markets, but we've been down this road before where either FX shows up late to the vol party or it flat out doesn't get an invite. I will point out that we started the year with what we were terming our uh, quote-unquote mysteries in FX with the U.S. dollar not rallying as Fed QT discussions were driving dollar-denominated yields higher and uh, equities somewhat lower. That, that was our first mystery. And I will say that over the last week, as we moved uh, in the equity market from equities being down you know, 5% off the high to 10-plus percent off the high, uh, then all of a sudden the U.S. dollar has begun to behave more normally. It has been rallying during the risk-off moments over the past few sessions. Our other mystery was the lack of upside in commodity currencies relative to uh, commodity consumer currencies, given the sharp rally in, in the price of oil. But over the past week or so, we have seen that mystery also uh, fade a little bit. So, for example, Eurocad ran down to 141 the figure before the VIX spike got serious on Friday. 
Now, admittedly, that pair and CAD yen have backed off and they seem out of alignment with the oil price. But at least we have a good story for the misalignment, with the story being a positioning squeeze. I think that's a good point for me to mention the evolution of price action and positioning in euro dollar. Uh, Greg, the CFTC data covering IMM positioning shows roughly three consecutive weeks of reductions in the net short position in euro dollar held by leveraged funds. Now, that adjustment seems to have paved the way for the decline we've seen in euro dollar since the beginning of this week uh, from about 113.40 to 112.80 as we record uh, amidst that dollar strength you were just talking about, Greg. I think the upcoming FOMC rate decision may be a factor driving euro dollar, and I suppose the FX market is somewhat split over the issue of of, of whether the Fed will change policy as soon as this week, as opposed to until, until waiting till March. But I don't think that's the only story, Greg. Tensions between the U.S. and Russia have clearly increased this week. When we spoke about geopolitical risks in one of our earlier podcasts this month, we basically said we had low expectations for a breakthrough in the U.S. and NATO discussions with Russia in Geneva. Those those expectations, those low expectations were realized. But I think the fact that the U.S. has its military on alert for deployment in parts of Central and Eastern Europe has started to weigh on the euro. The Fed transitioning towards tightening Russian troops amassing at the border, equities down 10%. This all sounds very Euro bearish. So what are your updated thoughts, Stephen? Where Euro dollar is the most critical exchange rate, is there a chance that we see a sharp move lower in Euro dollar that spills out to a bunch of other exchange rates, and then all of a sudden FX joins in the vol spike that we've seen in other markets? Okay, Greg. So my take on the geopolitical situation is that it looks very dicey, uh, but not purely because of Russia's tough and unwavering stance in the negotiations that have taken place to date. I think if I'm quite frank about the situation, there are large divisions within NATO concerning how Western powers should respond to Russian involvement in Ukraine. And while the US seems to be leaning towards a military response or military action, The response from the major European powers has been somewhat in the other direction. And I think that's a direct reflection of European dependence on Russian natural gas. We've been talking about this issue for months, Greg, the the energy security risk discount in the euro. So if Russia shifts its forces further west and the US responds with military action, that is when I think a sharp move lower in euro dollar becomes a lot more realistic because it makes a flare-up in energy prices almost a foregone conclusion. And Greg, to focus on your question, I think that's when you get uh, a move in Eurodollar triggering a broader spike in FX volatility. On the other hand, if there's very little response from the US and only moderate sanctions placed on Russia, I don't think the Euro will rally substantially in that case, but I do think some of the downward pressure will be reduced. So Greg, that's the geopolitical angle, but as we know, the Fed could also have an important influence on euro dollar. What are the chances, do you think, the Fed does something shocking? Well, we pretty much have to go back to the days of Arthur Burns to find instances where the Fed deliberately uh, shocked markets with hawkishness. In his four years in charge of the Fed, uh, Chair Powell has given the market uh, several, you know, what I would call dovish surprises, but those are a whole different thing. 
dovish surprises are politically easy. The only time where I would say that Powell has shocked the market hawkishly was back in December of 2018, when financial markets wanted the Fed to communicate a wind down of quantitative tightening, and he dug in his heels and basically said no. But after the equity and money markets freaked out, he quickly changed his tune. So I, I would call that incident an accidental hawkish surprise. And I think if we were to get one tomorrow, it would also pretty much be an accident. Yeah, I mean, I do recognize that the FOMC might go so far as, as to stop bond purchases immediately and communicate the balance sheet reduction could begin as early as this summer. But I don't think that would shock anyone. For most markets, and, you know, and especially equities, that seems almost like the base case now. So I'm going to concur with you that the most likely avenue whereby euro dollar drops below 110 over the next few weeks is a Russian invasion of Ukraine combined with a very forceful U.S. response. So, uh, Stephen, since we're back to geopolitics again, we've got the Beijing Winter Olympics coming up in February. Plus, we've got Chinese New Year starting next week. Are these events in Asia likely to be contributors to financial market volatility or vol reducers? That's a good point, Greg. Uh, relations between Moscow and Beijing certainly have been improving. I think that's fairly obvious. Being 100% honest, I don't know for sure that the timing of the Winter Olympics and the Chinese Lunar New Year are a major influence on the Russian calculus. From my point of view, the geopolitical backdrop has evolved so dramatically over the past couple of years that anything is possible. But I do tend to believe that Russia's approach to Ukraine and its involvement in Ukraine are slow burn issues. Uh, Putin has a lot of leverage at the moment, considering his grip on global energy prices. And I don't think that's going to change in the next two to three months. So, so the theory that Russia will avoid turbulence before the Winter Olympics is over isn't a bad one. Wait, I thought Russia has max leverage in January because it's freezing cold outside. Isn't Putin's max leverage moment January, not June? Another good point, Greg. Uh, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe he has a bit more leverage right now. But Western Europe has had a warmer than average winter so far anyway. The last time I checked, it's been about one to two degrees above average in temperature so far. And I think the real pressure point that Russia has over Europe isn't so much on the consumer it's on the industrial and export machine. If German industrial activity is halted because of energy shortages, that's when you're really likely to get a further deterioration in the euro area's trade position and declines in industrial output. And that can happen at pretty much any time. Back in November, when we first started podcasting about this, we quietly noted that if China were to invade Taiwan at the same time that Russia invaded Ukraine, that coordinated timing might benefit both parties. At that stage, it looked like coordinated timing might possibly be between Christmas and New Year's. But now, looking at the Chinese calendar, and particularly the Beijing Olympics, which run through February 20th, it seems unlikely that we'd get a dual geopolitical shock of that nature before February 20th. So I guess now I'm starting to make a case against FX coming to the Vol Party. It's not seeming all that likely, unless there's some other black swan out there that we haven't thought of yet, which is always possible. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you on that one, Greg. I still think there's plenty of scope for 2022 to be an out-of-the-ordinary type of year by pre-pandemic standards, so we'll see what happens. Agreed on that interesting year take, even if we can't sell ourselves on a path to a vol spike right now. In FX, the reality is that price action just typically begets price action. And sometimes we just get these phantom moves with no real macro story underneath them that cause FX markets to jump over to a high vol regime, at least for a season. Words of wisdom. That's a good place to end the episode, I think, Greg. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.